The evening arrived. The boys took their places. The master in his cook's uniform stationed himself at the copper. His pauper assistants ranged themselves behind him. The gruel disappeared and the boys whispered each other and winked at Oliver while his neighbors nudged him. Child as he was, he was desperate with hunger and reckless with misery. He rose from the table and advancing, basin and spoon in hand, to the master said, Please, sir, I want some more. The master was a fat, healthy man, but he turned very pale. He gazed in stupefied astonishment on the small rebel for some seconds and clung for support to the copper. The assistants were paralyzed with wonder and the boys with fear. What? said the master at length in a faint voice. Please, sir, I want some more. Today, on Everyman Academy, we will be discussing Oliver Twist, written by Charles Dickens. Oliver Twist was published in three volumes, serialized monthly in Bentley's Miscellany, from 1837 to 1839. I was drawn into this story right away. When I was a kid, I, oh man, did I love the Disney movie, Oliver and Company. Book one pretty much follows that story. It's absorbing. Immediately, other stories came to mind, like Harry Potter, for example. An orphan boy born into horrible circumstances. This is a time in England when the Industrial Revolution was really kicking in. People were getting concentrated into these urban environments. In droves, factories hired unskilled workers. Wealth was generated. Amidst a denser, more technologically advanced world, new problems started to arise. A criminal underworld really started to rear its head. Petty theft was dealt with by hanging. People were hung. Thousands of people would watch the gallows pole with awe and fascination. How morbid. Modernity is starting to dawn with these technological advancements, and yet something barbarically medieval is existing in the way that crime and punishment is dealt out. Oliver Twist is born into a workhouse. In these days, the poor unfortunate souls would live in places like these orphans. This book was a big deal at the time because humanizing criminals was controversial. It hadn't really been done before. The legacy of this story indoors. Well, how many film adaptations were there? My goodness. 1909, 1912, there was two. 1968, the British musical adaptation of Oliver Twist won the Best Picture category in the 41st Academy Awards. Oliver and Company in 1988, the Disney full-length animated feature inspired by the story of Oliver Twist. It goes on and on. What a legacy. The themes here in this book... They're grounded in the times, 1837, 1839, England, an ever-changing city urban landscape, industrialization, factories, smog, smoke, bricks, chimneys, factory workers, people coming in droves to the city. Crime became a bigger element, organized, if you will, the ways of dealing with it, snuff it out, stamp it out, public hangings, how barbaric and brutal. It was easy to dismiss these people. The real lives involved in crime in the underworld of the urban city atmosphere. Charles Dickens gave a new perspective. These were real people caught up in this. Oliver Twist, just a little boy born into it all. Orphan boy raised in the British workhouse. 
upper-class citizens can sleep at night knowing that their tax dollars are going to a good purpose. In reality, that money flows downward. The mechanisms of society are exploited. Corners cut. Everyone gets their share. Who misses out? Poor boys like Oliver. He's born into it. Not a great life. Not very fair. Is it fair? Such an innocent little boy. Life of labor. Life of misery. Starvation. Brutality. No love for the child. No warmth. At night as he lays down to go to bed, there's no gentle mother's touch to calm him. No. He has to deal with the harsh realities of life with no one to pat him on the back and say it's going to be okay. I love you. The cold harshness of the world in which he lives. How does Oliver Twist react to this? We see many characters that are hardened by the ways of the world. But no, 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 not Oliver. He is just too good for that. Despite it all, he's a pure, uncorrupted youth. A series of events leads him to the city. For the first time, he's accepted by some boys. Jack Dawkins, the artful dodger and his sidekick Charlie Bates. Club of criminals run by a mysterious, mischievous man known as Fagin. Devious devil profiting off the labor of others. Manipulates them to pickpocket for handkerchiefs. For the first time, he feels like he belongs. For the first time, he's treated with a sort of kindness. The art of psychological manipulation and the way Fagin influences these children. Book one is a joy to take in. It's familiar, enjoyable. This is a world of innocence lost, yet Oliver remains naive in his worldview. Eventually, he falls into gentler hands. It does feel like a relief to see Oliver in better circumstances. Book two is more of a challenge. I wanted a continuation of Oliver's story, and what I got was some new characters and more complex world building. I thought, where is this going? We as the reader crave a continuation of Oliver's story. We want to know what happens to him. We don't get what we want in life, and we don't always get what we want in storytelling. This part of the story took a little bit of work. You have to trust the process that it's all leading somewhere. Book three, it comes together in ways we don't expect. Overall, Charles Dickens is telling us something. I think a lot of people get caught up with the plotting and the details. Is this realistic? It's all telling us something. I want to talk about my favorite things about Oliver Twist. I love the symbolism of the handkerchief. We see this theme throughout Oliver Twist. The first task Oliver takes on as a acolyte of Fagin is to pickpocket these handkerchiefs that are embroidered. They're a symbol of a different life, piece of cloth that's embroidered and it's nice and delicate to hold, type of luxury that is simply not available in their way of living. And yet for the people that hold them and attain them and acquire them, maybe not such a big deal. After all, it is a receptacle for boogers, sweat, bodily fluids. This handkerchief comes up again and again. And there's a moment that I won't give away in the climax of this book. The white purity of the handkerchief turns a violent blood red. And we understand that for some, the hope for a better life is impossible. The character of Nancy is controversial. She's a young prostitute. It's not overt and descriptive, but we understand what's going on here in the background. Nevertheless, this world-weary young person no doubt mistreated and endured physical trauma, still has good in her. She reacts defensively and protectively to Oliver. She knows that she's broken and clings to the hope that Oliver can remain pure. 
I think the big lesson in this whole story is about good and evil. The world is evil. Dickens shows us this through Fagin. Men such as Fagin exist. Whenever there's opportunity for men to exploit, they will. Although there's law and order on the surface, criminal element will always be in the undercurrent of civilization, as far back as we can tell. However, despite the evils of the world and how harsh and cruel it all can be, goodness can prevail. Oliver is good in the face of it all. And we see through a very convoluted set of circumstances that evil is punished at the end of the day and good does prevail. I think what Charles Dickens is saying here is we need to strive for good. And in the end, the universe will right itself, though not without its casualties, as we see some characters, despite everything, still meet a harsh end. We also live and die by our choices, too. Nancy, although she hopes for a better life for Oliver, she ends up making some choices that, well, don't end up so great in the end. We want to see her choose a different life, to move forward, and yet she can't. She's hooked in a loop. Why do people stick with their abusers? Why do people tolerate this even though they have a choice to live otherwise? It's a conundrum, it's an irony, and it's very human. It's realistic. It's not black and white, it's ambiguous. The binary good versus evil is more than simplistic. The virtues on display here in Oliver Twist are clear. Good will defeat evil. The world is evil, but we should strive for good. The simplicity lies on the surface, but in the details we see complexity, nuance, ambiguity. I love the writing of this book. It's a joy to take in. There's humor, all this darkness and all this sadness and despair. Ooh, it could be a slog, but it's not. A self-awareness, a little wink at the reader makes us feel like we're in on it all. Right there with Dickens as he lays it all out for us. Whereas Pride and Prejudice, we were in the psychological kind of frame of each individual character... It feels very cerebral. It's hard to imagine how a movie adaptation can capture that writing style, and yet Oliver Twist is completely different. It almost immediately lends itself to film adaptation visually. This explains why there have been so many adaptations. The writing style welcomes it, encourages it even. I'm not sure how much was the writing and how much was what I already know about Dickens. I grew up on the Christmas Carol, Mickey's Christmas Carol, all the different adaptations, that world of England during this time. There's something romantic about it. It's a world of fog and cobblestones, carriage houses, smoke, smog, new buildings, new technology, new possibilities. It's primitive yet modern. It's a place that just does not exist anymore. This book is also flawed. There were moments in this thing where the exposition and explaining how everything wraps up and the connections and the twists and turns, kind of a slog. I think it could have been achieved in a more artful way. This is Dickens' first novel, so I can only imagine or hope to imagine that his other great works in which I have not read can wrap up in a neater, nicer way. Although I often have heard that criticism of Dickens where there's just a little too many coincidences. However, maybe that's missing the point. I think the details of the story matter less as much as the references here or the lessons and morals of the story. I love how the Western canon is tied in. You can tell Charles Dickens was very well read. He references Pilgrim's Progress and the Wicked Gate. The story was even called Oliver Twist or A Parish Boy's Progress. There are religious overtones, but 
the difference between Pilgrim's Progress and Oliver Twist, there's a similar religious sentiment. However, there's also a realism. It's very grounded in the individual and the life, choosing the life of Christianity as a choice. Oliver Twist is more of a social commentary. There's, there's aspects of the religious sentiment or the religious worldview, the morals of good and evil. Also, there's a social commentary. At this time in England, public hangings were common. Children were hung publicly for all to see, gawk and awe, watch with morbid fascination. Oh, Oliver, just wanted some more. That one simple act in the beginning of the book sets a series of events that unfolds in front of us. A world becomes full of characters. Each character takes on a certain life. There's detail in nearly everyone. Some fleshed out more clearly than others. Side stories that interest us. The circumstances bleak for most characters. The humanity underneath the surface. The need for connection is clear. Everyone is just reaching out, looking for that other, to feel part of a family, feel safe, to know that you're not alone. What more is there to say? This book was an enjoyable read. The narrative style of this book is omnipotent. It knows everything. It has musings upon the universe. We know what the characters are thinking. We hear what the characters say through dialogue. Descriptive language, paint the scenes in front of us. Cinematic, absorbing, playful, cerebral, symbolic. The archetype of Oliver Twist, the good guy. We, the reader, see ourselves in Oliver's shoes, like Luke Skywalker, Harry Potter. The hero's journey. So many things to pick up on, to connect with. We see hierarchy in Pride and Prejudice, the hierarchy and social stratification of the upper class. There's rules to the game. Humans, they delineate themselves in order of rank, king to peasant. Well, even among the low class, there's a hierarchy as well, and Oliver Twist is at the very bottom. I am now a fan of Charles Dickens. I recommend this book. Stick with it, especially through the middle part. It's not always going to be what we want when we read. Sometimes we'll immediately be into it, we'll be enjoying in the moment, other times we kind of have to trust the process and pick up the book, put it down day in and day out until we get to the end and understand the meaning of it all through an analysis. What do you think about Oliver Twist? What stuck out to you? Let me know. EverymanAcademy.com is our website. Reach out, subscribe, and please join us next time when we will be breaking down the next book, Jane Eyre. Everyman Academy is proud to be sponsored by Focus Path, changing the conversation surrounding executive function and medication management for ADHD, now available in Oregon and New Hampshire. Please visit myfocuspath.com for details. As always, Everyman Academy is proudly presented by the Just Three Murphs Podcasting Network. I'm so glad to have joined you once again for this analysis and breakdown of another classic work. Thank you for listening. And until next time, class dismissed. <laughs>